0: Hi, this is Robbie chiming in real quick to make a slight correction. So the first band we talk about this week is a band called Blue. And as is the case sometimes with these less known artists, sometimes we get directed to the wrong band, which is what happened to me in this case. I found them on Spotify and their auditor's bio was for a different band that was also called Blue. Uh, but later, after the show, I realized that uh, this was not this the actual band. The band that we will be listening to today is called Blue, B-L-E-W. And they're actually a Japanese uh, pop rock band with members Kayo Yoneda, Naoko Mizuno, Takura Kawasa. Uh, and they've got lots of albums, Accident, Chopper, Hold My Life. And the one we're looking at is the album You're Not the Only One. And we'll talk more about it. Uh, but I mistook them for the Dublin-based band band also called Blue, B-L-E-W, they were formed in 1997, and it looks like they've been sort of playing around the Dublin area since then. Um, So they're both good bands. I I took a chance to listen to both of them, but the one we're talking about today is the Japanese band. We erroneously attribute it to the Dublin band. I'm going to cut around some stuff and sort of piece it together as best we can, but you might hear us refer to them from Dublin, but they're not. They're they are a Japanese rock band. Sorry about that. We'll be very careful with our research from now on. Uh, and if that one sounds a little weird, that's why. But the rest are all good, as far as we know. So, that's all. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, everybody! Welcome to episode 25 of Drop the Needle in the Haystack. That's over half a year! And we're behind on the recording because we just have such a fun time hanging out. We're all such good friends, and we have such a nice time together. But I'm Robbie, as always, and we're going to take a listen to tracks on Spotify that have never been played before. Using the uh, Forgotify website, playing it real fast and loose. Throw it to Eric. Hey,
1: everyone. It's good. Well, I guess we're not really hearing anyone on the other side of this podcast. I'm glad you've joined us today. It's it's really (laughs) nice having an audience. Uh, Gonna pass it over to Matt.
2: Yeah, I was just having my existential crisis over the fact that we've been we've been doing the podcast for half a year, which is great. But I don't know. I just wasn't really thinking about measuring the podcast of like a passage of time. Mm. And you know what? No. Like, if I really do dumb, dumb math, if we're at episode 25 and we've been doing this like almost every week and there's 52 weeks in a year, then like, <laughs> yes, it is without a doubt than half a year. But like
0: it is hard to believe
2: yeah i i don't know i guess everyone's been oh i don't know i, I just i've been skipping on the internet a little bit anyway everyone's been marking time you know cuz it's like march for like yeah. pandemic in their own way and i i like had my little jokes about it but like i don't know that's that's kind of weird we've been doing this already for half a year cuz it hasn't at least for me like gotten like old or not fun or anything and oh. it's been really nice to look through all the music so no, i don't know what do you guys think of that
0: oh that's so nice i don't think it's gotten old either i've really enjoyed doing it getting to know you matt we did matt and i didn't know each other before the show so it's good to always make a new friend
2: a yeah friend. it's been
0: a friend a friend <laughs> have i been too uh too been a little forward. too forward a little <laughs> too, <laughs> too presumptive Hey, okay, this is a business relationship yeah, he's a it. work
1: colleague okay
0: yeah Friends in the way, I'm friends with my fucking mailman, I guess.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you chat with your mailman for like two hours a week. About the mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been nice. It's been a nice
1: uh, thing to do every week. It's been fun. All right, uh, but let's get the show started. Who are we starting with today?
0: Ma- me. Uh Robbie. Yeah, Robbie That's gets to start. right. So... I'm digging it it sounds good i think uh was it eric eric what'd you call them
1: this is uh this would fit perfectly on my new blink 182 mixtape <laughs>
0: that i will
1: be uh printing for our summer you know put it in your car go on a summer trip no it's, it's like dublin blink 182 right dublin based blink 182 and right. i mean like what was blink 182's big album Around this time, hang on, let me look up their discography. So in nineteen, this is nineteen ninety seven, right? Or
0: nineteen ninety eight, maybe.
1: Nineteen ninety eight. Eight or seven. All right, in nineteen ninety seven, come on, just show me their discography. Cut this out. Hang on, give me a second.
0: It's okay, magic of editing. We can just fucking take as long as you like.
1: I'm gonna look. Something so up to in nineteen ninety. Nine, they released Enema of the State, which was like one of their big ones. Forgotten. <laughs> Nineteen ninety-seven was Nineteen ninety-seven was Dude Ranch, which I don't remember listening to a lot, but I think it may have been the album that made them blow up. So this would have been like, this would have been really in the public kind of. I don't know so
0: now, would you call bands like this and bands like Blink One Eighty Two? Is this what would be called like pop punk? Is this sort of the no? Matt's making a face, so I've. Isn't I've this? I've done a like, grave error, a, a foul mistake.
2: No, I'm I'm just as now like, is it pop punk? Because I think or pop it's, punk, it's like a little later. I think it's a little later. It's a little more whiny. Hmm. I put pop punk around like two thousand seven ish. So, Wikipedia is saying for Blink
1: 182 that their genres kind of encompass skate punk, which, yeah, it's very, you know, very specific, but yeah. Punk rock, which I definitely say, yeah, especially at this time, and then pop punk. So, they do get there
2: eventually, I think. Yeah. I think Blink 182, if you look at pop punk bands, a lot of them really like Blink 182. So, yeah. like, and a probably later blink 182 like points to pop punk and like eventually leads the way or like ushers it in but i i want to touch on what you also said a uh, skate punk i as soon as i heard this i i got two things pulled back from the recesses of my mind from this song number one tony hawk pro skater 2 oh fuck oh, yes Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. i was he was on the
0: tip of my tongue
2: yeah the soundtrack for tony hawk pro skater 2 was like this all like this kind of music yeah and also um specifically like the way the guitars and the bass sound in this like the mixing and everything um like that that city escape level of sonic adventure 2 battle on oh i
0: escape in the city that's right escape from the the city city. yeah Yeah. we
1: always come back to sonic on this show we (laughs) do
2: But, like, you know, those were early 2000s, right?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like, right.
2: mid-early 2000s. And, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I played so much of that game, and my sister and I played so much of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. And it is. This is, this is like, quintessential punk.
1: I was just going to say,
2: I, I really, I unironically like this.
1: I would listen to this. I would genuinely put this on my Blink-182 playlist and just have this going. It does. It has such a great energy to it. Mm. Uh, the production's pretty good you know it feels pretty tight like the actual playing there's uh, yeah, a lot you... of great things to say about it really
0: it's got a lot of the hallmarks of like a good a uh, well, good song in this genre i like like the halftime feel the kind of descending baseline uh at that point i think at the specific place we uh we listen to there that's always uh like fuck yeah that's like a very dramatic, sort of cathartic moment in any song like this, I think. Halftime, bass starts walking down and, like, just diatonically, I'm in for it.
2: Oh, yeah, now I know what you mean. Uh, The pre-chorus section, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything about this just... It put a smile on my face right away because this is so vividly, like, uh, middle school music for me. Oh, yeah. And, and, like... I don't know. It was just such a nice, electrifying genre of music for when I was, like, a, a, a kid. And, like... One of the first performances I saw I saw live. Uh, do you guys remember the band Streetlight Manifesto?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, like when ska was popular for like three years. Yeah, time. I saw I saw I saw Streetlight Manifesto live like when I was in eighth grade or something at like this small like venue on Long Island, and like the live energy of like this kind of music, it was just it was like so much fun. It was just something else, you know.
0: It's music that you'd, like, jump to. It's jumping music.
2: Yeah, and I I knew how to do the dance. Skanking, as we called it. (laughs) For ska (laughs) music.
1: Is is that the period of time that Snarky Puppy kind of blew up?
2: Mm.
1: Or is that earlier? I
2: think it's earlier. I think it's a bit too early for them. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Or Snarky Puppy's later. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I couldn't remember if the dance coincided with that.
2: Snarky Puppy was born out of what? I'm sure Snarky Puppy... Yeah, it was kind of, like, born out of the ashes of that, like, brief but hectic ska craze that, like, I, I remember just gripped all of, like, the, the skater and, like, punk enthusiasts, you know?
1: Yeah. This is a nice find, Robbie. I like it yeah. a lot. I'm oh, going to add that to my
2: to my own list. Oh, it's yeah. a shame they only have one album.
0: It's true, yeah. There might be some more out there because, you know, sometimes you run into, like, Spotify on, on lesser known artists. It's like they only got part of whatever, for whatever licensing agreement all right
1: yeah let's yeah. move on all right so i think i'm up next um this one's pretty interesting i sent, I found some pretty cool background music first of all we're going to be listening to i believe it's pronounced jody but it maybe it's just jody um on her album african woman and we're going to be listening to the track Biko. but first a little background born joy odiet on the 22nd of june Jody is a young soulful singer from Nigeria with a personality that exudes African freshness and originality. She holds a BSc in Mass Communication from the University of Lagos, Nigeria, a certificate in Entrepreneurial Management from the Pan-African University, and a basic leadership certificate. And here's where... All of this starts to come together. Being one of the favorite finalists in the premiere edition of Idols West Africa, her debut had been anticipated by fans not only in Nigeria, but among other viewers. Her first sets of singles, Fighter and Coochie Coochie, Oh Baby, were released in late 2010. While Coochie Coochie became a viral hit, enjoying airplay in Africa and outside the continent. She was nominated in the Nigerian Entertainment Awards, New York september 2011 as the indigenous artist of the year um jody, jody is a singer songwriter and jewelry artist african from the soul so with that let's listen to a little bit of biko
0: For and this time i,
1: I will not Yeah, so uh, of course stumbled across this on Forgotify and the thing that immediately popped out is how incredible her voice is. Um, The control, the ability to really, really belt it out there and be able to maintain those pitches and uh, make it something really musical. Um, Just really stood out. I like the production on the track. You know, the background singing's excellent as well but really her voice is you know what I think everyone is there listening for Um, and she really sells it but here's something also a little bit interesting Uh, Robbie can you go to the album real quick I think this was the only or actually the artist excuse me so this was released in 2012 um, and I think this is the only album okay so there's a few singles after that Uh, here's an article from 2016 Sensational singer and fashion designer Joy Odiet, properly known as Yodi, has been conspicuously missing on the Nigerian music scene for some time, and she says it has been a deliberate act to reevaluate herself and ascertain if music is really her thing. My absence hasn't been actually intentional, but as time went on, I realized I needed to step back a bit and put a few things in order. I also needed to re-energize myself and get ready because the music or entertainment scene is not a bread-and-butter thing. Laughing. It is deeper and wider than it appears. It appears simple and fun on the surface, but it's a whole lot more. So, in order not to lose oneself, I decided at a point that I needed to step back. Maybe I needed to do a few things and re energize myself. I wouldn't say now I've returned with so much vigor. I'm actually still on this journey, she mused. Um, so, that's just a little snippet from this piece of an article that I found online. But it seems she's had quite the journey. You know, she had that initial success with. Uh, being a popular finalist on Idol, and she used that to launch her first album. And she even got that um, initial boost through a viral hit that was played on you know national radio. Uh, and it reminds me a lot of a uh, friend of the show, James Edge, and how difficult the music entertainment industry really is to break into and continue to be Kind of known in, you know, because he mentioned that he had had success with his previous album that we had featured on the show, and um, that it's just really difficult to keep that momentum going. Anyway, I've given you guys a lot to think about. Uh, tell me about the track first. What do you guys think?
0: Well, I like to say, obviously, the her voice is really incredible, really a wonderful uh, singing voice, um, uh, and like you mentioned, I think. The production also stuck out to me because it's a lot of especially at the the beginning part we didn't get a chance to listen to but really opens up with a lot of these synthy kind of strings and I feel like uh it's very easy for that or lots of those sounds to be muddled it's it's kind of a sometimes a tricky balancing act layering everything uh well uh and I think I could tell right away that you know this was very well polished or a very well put together arrangement just like from the first second when you hear those how well everything meshes together there but yeah her her voice you know is really incredible it does make me interested about or or, you know and i'm sure it's different you know all over but these sort of music reality or competition shows like idol you know or whatever else around the world there is how how That experience is like, you know, and then trying to make a career after that. I I can't imagine sort of transitioning from like everyone really knows you in this one specific category and then trying to develop as an artist outside of that. It seems a unique challenge.
2: Yeah, that makes me think of like American um, Americans who have gone down that career path. The ones that immediately come to mind would be like Susan Boyle. Do you remember her?
0: Oh, from Britain's Got Talent?
2: Yeah. Or okay, okay, then then you know, I won't just say Americans, but you know, people people within like the 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 Western world's greater kind of realm of entertainment. Mm. Susan Boyle was a big one, but then if you think of like when we were when we were kids and like American Idol was kind of like bigger, who was um that guy that everyone was so like interested in from American Idol?
1: Uh hang on, let me look up the winners.
2: Uh, clay clay aiken i think it was you, clay aiken
1: i think you're right Which yeah I love.
2: and like anytime you get these people it's like well where does their career really go after they get that initial like superstardom from like a tv show right hmm. like susan boyle's whole thing is she can sing like these these ballads that like really show off like her her powerful voice but she's pretty confined to like that one genre right hmm. like she got famous singing songs from Le Misérable when, like Le Misérable, was pretty famous,
1: right? Um, yeah. Um, Here are the big names I recognize from the season winners: Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. In oh yeah, the, Kelly.
2: Kelly Underwood.
1: Yeah, in the seventeen. Yeah, Carrie. Carrie Underwood in the seventeen oh yeah. seasons of. American Idol, those are the two names I still recognize.
2: Yeah, so like they pretty much stayed basically in their in their lane for like the types of music they were singing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't really think that their like artistic trajectory has strayed or like undergone any great changes. And if you compare that to like, you know, the artistic agency of of an artist like let's say Beyonce, who really like made and drove her own career like, from the start, right? Or other big American or, like, Western solo pop artists. Yeah, I, I think that her very, or in this, in this case, um, Jody, I'm talking about now, her very transparent words about, like, stepping away from the music scene, that's actually really interesting because it's true. Like, we we look at our artists all the time, like, when are they coming back with, like, their next big thing? again, to use, like, Beyonce as, like, an example, I remember when, like, Lemonade, her her big visual uh, album came out in 2015 or 16. Hmm. And it's, like, you're just waiting and watching for these next big drops, these next big releases. And I'm sure that could be, like, a pretty exhausting pressure to, like, live in indeterminately. You know what I mean? Right.
0: And I think someone like Joe D's voice is, is a lot more flexible at the very least compared to someone like Susan Boyle where yeah. I, I could definitely envision a wider variety of genres of music and types of music and, and plus I think I don't know if uh if this is like totally her production like if she wrote the song too cuz it's really nice songwriting as well I'm sure she yeah. had at, at the very least some hand on or handled on it but uh, you know it is kind of yeah, it is a little mind numbing to think like, oh, I've got to be putting out this next thing that everybody's waiting for all the time and they're all asking me when I'm I going to do this and I'm sure there's a million other things that goes on, you know, at that level of the industry that, you know, just compound on stress.
1: Yeah. Uh Getting back to the music for just a second, I wanted your guys's opinion. So, I can't tell if it's if it's me or if they were a little heavy-handed on the autotune in certain instances all right so mm. i'm thinking that i hear like the kind of characteristic autotune tune-up sometimes at the beginning of her words and phrases so robbie if we could go to like i don't know maybe oh voice crack oh.
2: everybody's rough huh oh god um <laughs> <maybe> <laughs> i need to listen seconds. to my blink <laughs> 182 mom <laughs>
1: Maybe 20 seconds in, I think that's maybe where she starts. And maybe it's just me, or maybe it's my headphones or something. But I could have sworn.
0: Right, so like here, at the, I think the yeah. bigger octave, the bigger intervals there. Yeah, that you was, hear yeah. that?
2: That was interesting. In like the da-da-da-da-da, the arpeggios. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean,
1: it's not tea pain, obviously, but it is noticeable.
2: Wow, yeah. I, that I wasn't think... as bad in the other part we listened to, though.
1: No, that's what I thought was interesting. So I yeah. wonder if like it really needed that much correction, or if they were just a little too heavy-handed in the.
0: Uh... Well, compi- com- that combined with the you know the other parts of the song, part of it it kind of makes me think this is like an intentional effect or a choice they're going for. But it seems very strangely relegated to just this particular phrase. Because I don't, like you say, I don't know this in other places. And, you know, I'm sure she can sing all the notes perfectly well. It just seems like, no, we want this kind of sound for just this uh, bit of the melody.
2: Yeah, because even in the moments leading up to that, i was trying to listen for like the artifacts kind of you know like the artifacts of auto-tuning and for me like a big thing when i hear it is vibrato like natural vibrato i'm like okay they're not auto-tuning because they've got natural vibrato in there that they didn't get scrubbed clean and do they still have like little dips and like scoops at the beginnings of their notes but i think it's probably just because that arpeggio that's a maybe an area for potential inaccuracy but that is really heavy-handed like you'd think the audio engineers that worked on this they clearly know what they're doing wouldn't have scrubbed that hard i guess
1: yeah i mean the average person really isn't going to notice a little bit of um, intonation issue through an arpeggio like that so it just yeah it seemed really heavy-handed Anyway, that was that was, yeah, one of the only other things I'd really picked up on.
2: I think for me, like one of the worst like most egregious offenses of of like super blatant auto-tuning in like recent kind of public memory was um Emma Watson as Belle in Beauty and the Beast, like the Disney remake.
0: Oh yeah. I think I I've I've heard people talk about a little bit about this.
2: Yeah, that movie has some like real, like, uh, aggressive auto-tuning.
0: Well,
1: I mean, she's not a trained vocalist, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she did some work in preparation for the movie, but... Oh, sure. There's only so much you can teach someone in, you know, that amount of time.
2: Yeah. It was undoubtedly probably a too short amount of time,
1: right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that begs the question, should they have cast her in the role then? Or, you know, gotten someone to dub over... Yeah, just
2: get a singing voice. I mean, like, Leah Salonia did the singing voice for, like, half of the Disney princesses, so. That's true, that's
0: true. And part of me wonders, you know, because I guess it's a whole thing about the Disney remakes and all elements of their creation, you know, you can really dive into. But I think maybe, especially the music, I've heard people talk a little bit about sort of the, the hyper sterilized orchestration and like yeah. presentation and production of the music so part of me is thinking or might think like well maybe she sounded fine but it's just like the that gotta get that Disney shine on it you know we gotta really like fucking make sure it gets just how we want
2: could be yeah could I be. mean like the remakes have just really in my opinion they they've really fallen flat on like Disney Stumbled upon gold with like the Renaissance movies that they're recreating right now, you know. Yeah. Like the the way that they were able to basically synthesize cartoons into like little Broadway musicals. That's that's what they were, right? Right. Yeah, um. Yeah. They, that captured something like perfect. And if you think about it, wasn't it uh, Robin Williams was the first super high profile cartoon Disney like voice actor
0: i think that's correct yeah
2: yeah like that was the first case of like a very high level like high big name celebrity coming into voice a a character and like if you look at animated movies now it's like starring whoopi goldberg and like all big names like Mm. as the voices of characters and like that's what they show you in like the coming attractions like the character name the character name character name it's
1: actor based yeah yeah
2: and like they're not really looking for like voice acting was a very separate art from like acting that's true so emma watson's a fantastic actress and not trained as a singer you saw this in like to go back to les mis half of them were broadway cast or really good singers and then even though hugh jackman is actually a pretty good singer he like shat all over that part I mean, yeah, like, I
1: mean, you just can't compete. You're yeah. out of your element at that point. Like, even if you're a decent singer, how do you compare with someone, or how do you compete with someone off-Broadway? Yeah. Not off-Broadway, but on-Broadway. Wasn't yeah. he Broadway? <laughs> Didn't he, he was on
0: Broadway, though, right, You Jackman? I don't was think it? he was
2: on Broadway. I think he was on um, other, like, big productions, but I don't think he was ever, like, singing on Broadway. Also, like, uh-huh. apparently Les Mis, like, the way that they actually filmed and recorded all that was absolutely insane because like they they recorded the singing on set like live that was the whole thing of the movie
0: right yeah didn't they have like they had ear pieces in where they had you know someone playing along that does also pianist right that also oh fuck imagine that job
2: could you imagine and the thing is they would do like hours and hours of takes and you probably aren't getting the first take so they're like exhausted from like singing it live and like doing all like the crazy stunts and stuff and like their voice their voices are not getting enough like rest. There's a reason why you can hear like how Russell Crowe and like uh, who who and Hathaway uh, mm. and like Hugh Jackman all wow. sound very different uh, from like the rest of the cast.
1: I'm uh, I'm sorry we have to go back and we have to correct ourselves. So Robbie you're right. Um... <laughs> I did it. Uh, I had no idea Hugh Jackman's uh, background was so heavily based in musical theater specifically, but here's this paragraph. Uh, On stage, Jackman's first major role was Gaston in the Australian production of Disney's Beauty and the Beast in Melbourne in 1995, topical right there, which he followed up by playing the leading male character of Joe Gillis in the 1996 Australian production of Sunset Boulevard. He would make his London stage debut in 1998 starring as Curly McLean in the acclaimed National Theater revival of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma and receiving an Olivier Award nomination for his efforts in 2002. Jackman graced the stage of New York's Carnegie Hall playing Billy Bigelow in a special concert engagement in of a- of another Rodgers and Hammerstein classic carousel. He would finally make his Broadway debut, however, in September 2003 when he starred as Peter Allen in the Broadway premiere of The Boy from Oz at the Imperial Theater. So, yeah, I had no clue. No idea whatsoever. I always go just knew show. him as X-Men, you know. Yeah, go uh, show what I knew. He was Wolverine. the X-Men.
0: Logan <laughs> <He> was. <laughs> his favorite. <He> was... x- <laughs> X-Men. You remember his favorite quote? Uh, it's me. I'm the x Man. <laughs> I love it when he says that. <laughs> <laughs> is All that right. like a shitpost? Yeah, is that a creepy?
2: Is that a, is that a copy pasta, shit post?
0: It should be. If not, <laughs> get on it, somebody.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay. But um. Okay, so that got really off topic. Should we should we finish up with um with my track?
1: Yes. Yeah, Take it away.
2: Okay, so I found something weird that we don't always think about, but um, we had actually talked about on the show and like been tossing around for some ideas. So like copyright music and like royalties and you know music that you can just use for stuff, right? That's not like copyrighted or you have to pay royalties for. So this artist is literally called Royalty Free Music Company from, this one is, what is it? Royalty Free Music Volume 45. And there's like over a hundred of these volumes. So, conveniently for the format of our show, this track is called Ski School 4. It's 30 seconds long. So we're just going to listen to the whole thing before we talk about it. Oh, well, yeah. Sleep at the wheel. Robbie. Oh, fuck. Classic. Uh, I pulled an Eric. Amateur move.
1: (laughs) I know. What is it called pulling an Eric? Matt did it first.
0: uh, I'm cutting all this out.
2: I like the ending that like that guitar chord that like doesn't really resolve. But um Yeah, so this is it's royalty-free music. The whole point is that it can just be like it's like Shutterstock images for music, right? Right. Yeah, no. So I don't know. It just begs so many questions of like why was this produced? How was this produced? How do you use it? What was it used for? Uh stuff like that. I mean, the title is Ski School 4. Was this literally like a dude was told Hey, there's gonna be like a thirty second long bit for like a commercial or something, and we need like ten drafts of like music for this like ski school. You know, you know what I mean? Like, was right. that it?
0: Yeah, that's so weird to think about because you look at the the names in these co- albums, and they're all like that, all basically like situation or place, and you're wondering like, what? How how is this laid out? W- were they like talking to the art, to the whoever composed this, and they were like here's our situations, here's what we need, or is it just, like, write 30-second chunks of different things and we'll put names on it as we need to? Or, like, who thought of Ski School? From
2: whence did Ski School come? Because I was curious. I listened to, like, a bunch of these since they're, like, only 20 to, like, 50 seconds. And there was, from one of the other volumes, there was, like, Hong Kong 1 through 8. And I was, like... (laughs) The 8 Moods of Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll—I'll I'll be honest. I was looking for some like real dumb like racist bullshit. For, like, <laughs> looking for the pentatonic scale in there. Yeah, I was—I was looking for like the, the, the the chopsticks. You know, like right. And I was like, okay, what's this gonna be? It, it didn't. There was like no stupid like Asian markers of the, the the music. It honestly just sounded like music from like a chase scene from Rush Hour. Hmm. hmm. Like. Like just a you know a cop like a old old like cop flick from like the seventies or eighties or nineties like chasing you know yeah. it had like the bongos going, like a, a clavichord kind of you know like I mean all this music is super dated so like you know it's old but like yeah you wonder what were these prompts compositional prompts I guess I don't know
0: yeah you have to think well and I guess I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this as a composer Matt but like. If someone came to you and was like, here, I need, like, 30 30-second 30 songs, and they all gotta be about, like, these five things, where would you even start? Like, what would I, you even begin to do?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, that's hard. I, I've only written, like, two jingles, um, and each of them, I didn't have to do that much, like, testing. People, People pretty much liked them, like, right away. And one of them, it was like a I need a jingle for my YouTube videos. So it was, like, six or seven seconds you know like real short and i don't know what i would do in this situation because like on the one hand i would think that this kind of music is very bullshitable, but on the other like you got to be good at it to do this to just like crank these things out you know sure
0: yeah speaking how much do you think the person being paid for this made like, that's what did, i
2: really want to know
0: yeah could you even ballpark like what it might have been or how it would even break it would it be like we're gonna pay you such and such put for each 30 second track or was it like do the whole album for this lump sum or like
2: so if i think like forget about inflation or whatever hmm. if i think about the only like solid numbers for commercial music that i i like know know that i like heard from someone in the biz a composer who was doing music for, like, reality TV uh, said that he's, like, a middle rate. They were getting, they were doing, like, a minute of music for, like, $100. Like, that was, that was their rate, basically. Okay. So you, you could assume maybe something similar for, like, a jingle. But, like, I would wonder how much of that changes based on the fact that they're not getting royalties or, like, mechanical royalties, you know? Right. I would
1: imagine, yeah, the base price would be higher.
2: Yeah, yeah, since they're, like, one and done, kind of, like, you just get this payment. So, I, I really don't know. I would imagine they probably got paid for, like, you know, a set amount, exactly like your hypothetical situation.
1: Hmm. I'm still stuck on the um, what came first question, the name or the yeah, uh, the, like, place it was going to. I kind of, as I think about it more, I kind of feel like they just put whatever name was associated
0: with who bought
2: it. So, Kissing like, Stingrays. So let's, yeah, let's read out
0: some of these. There's Hollywood, Kissing Stingrays, Alice Springs, Savannah Lander Train, Perth, Mesa but Verde. If I could,
1: if but like, think I about hurt? it. But think about it for just one second. I'm sorry, Matt. Like, Someone from Hollywood says we need like, like <laughs> you know... What one minute? Yeah, it looks like about a minute total of music. Can you can you make that? And they go sure, and then they divide the tracks up, and then they just title it Hollywood, so they know like, all right, this is who it was for. But it's otherwise like pretty not- innocuous. No, that's is that the right word? Is uh, that a innocuous? Word? Innocuous. There we go. Not innocuous. Innocuous. There we go. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. How do you want to?
2: Oh yeah. Uh, so this also just makes me think of another person that does like royalty-free music, and I think at this point, probably all of us have heard his music. Do you guys know the name Kevin McLeod?
0: Yes,
1: I do!
2: Kevin isn't MacLeod, he, uh... maybe? Yeah, is the MacLeod. car
1: from Cars?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no, that's Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. No, that's Queen. Owen Wilson. Owen oh, Wilson. Right. Um, but no, I do. Kevin. I have seen his name on all sorts of stuff. People use so his So Kevin
2: yeah kevin MacLeod. it's spelled like MacLeod, though right. um people have been using his music for like i think well over a decade at this point and it's stock music that primarily gets used on youtube with like you know a little evocative titles about kind of like what the music could be used for sure uh, um but here's here's like his thing here's like the wikipedia page he was born in 72 american composer and musician mcleod has composed over 2,000 pieces of royalty-free library music and oh, made them crazy. available under a creative commons copyright license his licensing options allow anyone to use his music for free as long as he receives credit which is basically like they don't even have to put it in a video let's say they just put it in a youtube description like music this track by kevin blah 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 um it's led to his music being used in thousands of films and like his music has also been used in some commercial video games, as well as a large number of YouTube videos and pornographic films. So
0: <laughs> Nice. Good for him. Like I, I, I wonder
2: how he makes his living, uh, I'm sure it's Googleable, but like, you know, how do you make a living off of that? I'm sure he takes donations. And I'm sure that like there's
1: some percentage of people that would willingly and be glad to give him that, that money. But I don't know. That's a good question.
0: He probably like teaches or like arranges somewhere, right? That's a lot of what. Uh... But that's just so
1: much time to make 2,000 separate, yeah. you know, compositions. Like, that would have to be your primary job. And like. It's not like something you do on the side, like for an hour or two a
2: day. You you no, know? no, know.
0: you've not met Kevin.
2: And, like, because we're musicians, when I hear music, I remember, like, I'm thinking about it, I'm, like, paying attention to it, and, like, it it sticks to me. And I did, eventually, it didn't take long for me to realize, like, hey, this guy's using the same track from, like, this video. Or, like, I've heard this track in, like, you know, this video, and then, like, I hear it again in, like, another video, like, a few days later. And it's, like, everyone's just going to Kevin MacLeod for, like, their stock YouTube music. And, like, that's... That's just like its own interesting thing, I guess.
0: Yeah, I wonder what, how he kind of became the YouTube music composer du jour. How, like, I I suppose with a lot of these, it's like one person uses it, that gets really popular, and then other people try to imitate that particular person, and that, along with that comes the music, or, I don't know, it's interesting to think about
2: you guys ever see like i don't know videos of like you know they go around on facebook and it's just like cute dogs doing stuff or like Mm, cute cats doing stuff and it's like ukulele a xylophone and like claps or snaps and like whistling
0: right and i fucking love those videos
2: i love the videos but i hate the music (laughs) because it's like always the same music you know right so i don't know kevin mcleod he's like the he's like the soundtrack of youtube basically
0: and but, if you're out there, Kevin, we'd love to have you on the show. Oh,
2: my God. Actually, though, I would love to have Kevin McLeod on the show. Can
0: Does he have a website? Can we, like, reach out to him? That would be uh, a cool gift. He has to have a website, right? He
2: definitely has a website, yeah. The big thing is, does he have a Twitter? He's on Twitter.
1: But... It's gonna happen. Confirmed. We've
0: done it now. <laughs> Kevin Cloud. His last
2: tweet was March eleventh. He says, "I'm working on a new album of all waltzes. It's getting strange. Here's a preview of Foxtail Waltz Part One." Uh, he's on waltzes. Patreon. Yeah. So he's he's that's definitely one thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Huh. Yeah, I would imagine that would make but, sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: But yeah, that's my thoughts on royalty free music.
0: <laughs> Do we want to? wrap up for today by telling everyone what we listened to this week. You want to start uh, us off, Robbie? Uh, Hold on. Let me just I, get my... I can go
2: while Robbie's getting himself together. Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, get myself together. I've been listening to... I don't know if it's officially out yet, but Porter Robinson put out a new album. And he was, like, mostly just releasing them as singles, like, in... I don't know. Intervals. Over intervals of time. But Porter Robinson's new album, Nurture, has been really good i just really like a lot of uh his music it's i guess probably in the realm of edm but uh i think we've talked about this on the show it's like music that sounds really happy but it's actually like super depressing mm. so I'm a, I'm a big fan of it so check out nurture by porter robinson Hi. i um I'll go, go ahead, ahead Robbie.
0: no 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 eric I
1: uh this week i discovered that robbie you know this guy jonathan gunn Former principal clarinetist of the Cincinnati Symphony. I basically town Our hero. entire time, yeah, our entire time at Miami. Whenever we'd go to Cincinnati Symphony concerts, this was the guy playing. Uh, released an album last year, so I've been listening to that French
0: music. What's some? What's a highlight of French clarinet music, Eric? Hit us with it.
1: Huland Sonata, Saint-Saens Sonata, um, Quartet for the End of Time. Why can't I think of his name? Messiaen. Messiaen. Come on. Messiaen yeah. There we go. Yeah, so those are some of the big names.
0: Is he still with the with CSL?
1: No, he left and is currently teaching at UT Austin.
0: Oh, good for him. Hmm. Yeah. If you want to call on the show, please reach out, Jonathan Gut. We'll have you on. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you know him. You, you can, I do. You, you got that connection. Could.
1: I could. We'll see. We'll see.
0: Let's see. Well, anyway, this week I listened to an album uh, called ecologically speaking, it's by a group called R plus R equals now. And that's kind of like a super group. It's got Robert Glasper. It's got uh, Christian Scott, Terrace Martin, and a whole bunch of other like big names in in, in jazz um, working today. And it's very hip hop influenced. And it's really good, as you might expect, with a lineup like that. And there's a few other people. Uh, But it's basically all, well, it's like an all star roster. Hard to go wrong really interesting writing and really um kind of interesting vehicles for improvisation and of course with robert glasper you always get really creative uh um or you know a, a big part of his music has a really creative production and influence from hip-hop so worth a listen and i think all right
1: it, i think that's uh all we got yeah
0: so, yeah, if you enjoyed the show, please rate and review and uh, follow us wherever you're listening, Spotify or iTunes. And uh, you can reach out to us on at drop on Twitter and drop the needle in the haystack on Instagram and Facebook.
1: As always, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week.